Welcome to the AAA NFT podcast, all about affordable NFTs, bringing you from zero to 60 in the non-fungible token world without breaking the bank, with your hosts, Andrew, aka Rantum, and George from Mostly Stable on Zed Run, who will help you navigate new projects, interview expert guests, and explore NFT trends. So whether you're on your first or 50th NFT, we're going to have something for you. And as a quick note, we are not, I repeat, not financial advisors and nothing in this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Alrighty, disclaimer over, let's get to it. Today on All About Affordable NFTs, we're doing a little what if game. What if you add five Ethereum one month to buy NFTs and you had to hold them for at least three years. So you had to hold all three years for NFTs that you bought this month. It's just a fun thought experiment to see what we come up with. But first, Andrew, what are you seeing? In- yeah, what are we seeing out here? Let's see. So we've got March Madness just started as we're recording this, and we've got all sorts of NFT drops around this. I've been surprised uh, by the number of NFT drops here. NFT U uh, was the first one that I heard about. And then there was a, let's see, another one from DraftKings, but they've been quite popular. They both sold out. The DraftKings one, it was uh, DraftKings, I believe it was their first direct NFT collection that they, they had created before they had, you know, had just hosted them on their own marketplace. Um, that was 12,000 pieces. The NFTU from Recur was, let's see, almost nearly 18,000 NFTs there. They've been popular, been selling on secondary as well. So I'm surprised uh, that it has been as popular as it is. Took me by a surprise here. Anyway, I expected a lot during the Super Bowl. Didn't really think about how much uh, it may come into play with uh, the NCAA tournament here. And I think it's interesting for a couple of reasons that this will have exposure for you know a whole month here, essentially, as the tournament spans multiple weeks. And the other part is that we have... Uh, we do have that players could potentially start using NFTs as a way to to cash in on their likeness, um, which has not been possible for the most part in uh, NCAA history. And it's interesting that those are coming at the same time. So watching that kind of closely over the next month to see how much how much their exposure NFTs get during the during media publication of the events and how much the uh, the market responds to to these NFTs. How much do you think is Dapper Labs, again, the folks behind NBA Top Shot and also now the the new NFL All Day behind? And- you know, I haven't heard their name as being directly tied to any of this. I don't know if there, who knows the reasons that may be. You would think they would be there, but I don't know if there's maybe an NBA issue with NCAA or I, that's uh, that's outside of, of my knowledge, but I haven't seen their name come up in, in uh, any of this uh, NCAA NFT talk. Yeah, it says NFTU, largest unified collegiate sports digital collectible NFT marketplace. Okay, not going to be on my buy list, but I think it may help people jump onto it. And if you're able to bring in some of the sports audience, you've seen a lot of success from Dapper. Good luck. Yeah, absolutely. It's not on my list either, but I am I am interested in the news of this or of these collections. Okay, we have the Pixar drop. So I love Pixar. And we've heard Disney getting into the NFT world. So what is this Pixar NFT drop? Sells out on the... I've never actually said that out loud. I think it's VV, the VV platform. So yeah, it dropped. They had uh, a number of different uh, Pixar characters from their various movies. 
available as NFTs, and it was popular. Not surprising that Disney has found their way to this and is using their IP. I think we've discussed this in the past. We heard some rumors of them getting into this, that they have amazing intellectual property uh, rights to all of their characters, all their movies to use in NFTs, and they have started doing this already, and it, it sold out quickly. I had seen news of it and was actually somewhat interested and uh, it sold out before I uh, had a chance to, to be able to mint it. And I haven't looked at it closely since then, but it has, I know that they had a decent amount of volume. Um, and let's see, it was almost 55,000 pieces. Um, yeah, so quite a large volume, collection. 3.3 million it says, I think. It's an impressive amount. And I'm sure we'll see a lot more from Disney <laughs> as they are pretty good at this sort of, sort of thing. Yeah, I've heard they're decent at branding as far as, yeah, something to check out. I yeah, a lot I don't know about that and big players in there and especially if they're doing it the right way. And we've seen also big players do it wrong with, I would say last year tops, I was like my biggest like heartbreak. So the question, is it a money grab or is it a, a brand building established play? So we'll wait and see there, but hey, maybe it ends up on the affordable list, although probably not at those prices. Okay. All right. And lastly, we've got a report here, an interesting report. And a lot of people have talked about how NFTs are inversely related to crypto prices. We've talked about it a bit when crypto prices don't do well, NFT prices tend to do better. And the thought is that you're spending less US dollars for the same uh, NFT, but it doesn't seem to uh, hold as true as the prices also do well during uh, NFT bull runs for the most part. And there's some news or a report from Nansen, a NFT analytics company that has, they put some numbers behind this. So there's a very negative correlation between the two. So it's an interesting report here. Did you have a chance to uh, dig into this, George? It was interesting. They're building up this NFT 500, similar to an S&P 500 or the blue chip index. So they're putting this index and pairing it against saying, how does this perform against prices when ETH goes down? How does this index go up? Because it's hard to say NFTs as a whole. So they're basketing this top group and showing how it shows strength when, in fact, ETH may be going down. It is giving me hope that during a, a down a down cycle, which is where we are, I think, right now, that actually it still makes sense to be shopping for, for potential NFTs. So that, keep in mind the historical window that we get to look at something like this is remarkably short, especially hilariously comparing it with something like the S&P, which is standard and poor's history of the stock market, as opposed to history of when we were putting digital images on the internet. Yeah, both the history and I think there's a few more kind of regulations involved with going public and trading on the SEC regulated market versus minting a new collection. And being one of the top 500 at this point doesn't exactly sound blue chip. I think that may need to, they need to be reduced somewhat. I didn't read that it was 500. I did read they were basketing these in different indexes. I think it is, I think as we see the market mature, we will see different index products and even if they're just for tracking and tracking the health of the market we'll see them come together that look at nfts in more nuanced categories such as maybe 3d worlds or pfp projects and get a little bit more nuanced than just saying um, these are the top 500 i think for a while uh, we probably should be hesitant to say there's really 500 quality nft projects out there yeah that's fair all right should we move into our affordable project yeah, here we go. What do you got for us today, George? You got another one. I, um, look, I felt bad again. I apologize already last episode for last week. I felt like I didn't bring the, as, as awesome as I could have. And here it episode. is. 
This is the killer one. So this is looking at a project called Avastars, A-V-A stars. And it's a creator uh, is someone like Jimmy Dot, I believe it is, but a very well-known collector throwing back to it was established in February of 2020, and it is all on-chain generative characters. And it was, I would say, second to autoglyphs for full on-chain art, according to my rough NFT history and also a sort of collective agreed history of this. Along that same time was also Chain Faces, uh, a project that we called out a little while back. But Avastars is all on-chain. These images that are... They look like a profile pic and they have various designs and formats and layouts. And currently I'll say the floor of this is at 0.115, which I think is remarkably low for uh, a project like this. I will say that the, the project also now has the ability to mint replicas. So when you go in, make sure that you're looking at and finding originals. And as best I can tell, you can find that in the, in the filters, of course, but the replicas. Yes. The wave attribute, I believe, is what you're looking for there. Uh, prime and replicant. There it is. Yeah. So the primes are 25,000. Thank you. Uh, there are 25,000 primes and only 326 replicants. And again, the ability to recreate new ones so that you can merge and mix traits is paired as long as you buy an art token. Art tokens are currently around 50 bucks. So... I think there's an interesting history here and it's just, I feel like it's just getting overlooked because of all of the new hotness running around. Andrew, what do you see on this project? You actually, you're OG enough to have actually minted this back in the day. So I had one, yeah. So they've got different series of these and I had one, I believe, or I had a couple from one of the later series. I didn't have one from the, the early series. As I look at these now, I'm looking the, the Gen Zero series, there's only 200 of those. Those are the... Hefty floor price of 19.5 E, uh, whereas all the others are much more reasonable. The the Gen 1 or the Series 1s looks like they start at uh, 0.125. So I think it would be interesting to look, if we're looking at some of the historic value, I think it'd be interesting to look at the release dates of those. I am sure the Gen 0s are actually the, the oldest. I'm pulling up one now. So the... Gen 1s was still, like this here was actually mid to uh, Jimmy, the creator, on May 12th, 2020. So that's actually pretty interesting. That is sitting at the floor right now of the Gen 1s. That's a pretty old piece and has some historic value. Also consider when looking at this is just the various rarities of the attributes. When I, so when I minted one of these, there were, how it worked was you could create your character using Picking various hair attributes or skin, nose, hats, different things like this. But then at different times, they would take a selection of the of these different choices away. Throughout the minting, they would reduce the number. So some of these become more rare, both by the fact that they aren't available at a certain point and some are chosen by the people that do them. So it's, it's worth looking at those. I think cool projects still. It's a relatively somewhat large collection at 25 thousand but i certainly uh, wouldn't say that is a, a reason not to to look at it we've seen very large collections 
go achieve quite high floor prices, not a reason to stay away. Definitely interesting project here. And I think it's a good reminder to look at this one. I, I've realized I actually do hold one of these in my wallet right now. As I look at this, I had one. Yeah, I had sold some, but I do have one in there. I may look at, may look to pick another up here, George. So here's how you can tell it's a good project. I brought this to the table and I think I may have convinced you to go buy another one. I mean, I found a good project. Yeah, I was really interested when you mentioned it. Full disclosure, I may have just bought a man bun, uh a Gen 1 man bun. Did you do it as live on air as we were recording? I did it live on air. Wow. Gen 1 man. Gas was too low for me to ignore it. And also it's man bun. Only 1%. 1% of man buns. So there you go. Full disclosure. I'll let you know, my listeners, when he matches his Avastar. I assume he's going that way soon. I don't think I can do it. But this is so, this is exactly, if we're going to tie into the theme here and the smooth transition, what would you buy right now if you had 5e and couldn't sell anything for three years, right? Those two things are unique. One of the guardrails here is 5e. Yes, this is well beyond our normal affordable project. But the guardrail there is saying like, all right, you're going to put a sizable bet. Would you buy all into one thing or would you spread it out? And then if you have the mindset of holding for three years, what does the market look like? And in some ways it takes this FOMO panic of, oh my gosh, this thing just ripped and dumped. I got to get in on it. Do you really think it's going to last three years from now? And it just puts a different uh, lens on it. So I will kick off our debate saying I I brought Avastars because it is an old established collection. The prices run up way, way back in the day, but it's been mostly dormant. But I think when a larger community looks at the historical context of NFTs, this has a place in it. Yeah, I agree. I think this holds a place. I think it also has a respected creator very likely to stick around the industry and not not be out of the picture in three years. I think that's an important thing. We've talked about this recently in our just our most recent episode about the role of the creator in, in establishing value. And you know, you've really got to start thinking, who are the creators that will stick with this? Who are the teams that will grow and continue uh, to work on their projects for three years? And yeah, that's not easy to say at this point because most of these projects are well under a year old. Avastars, we've got something different here. That is, we're actually looking at something that's two years old here. And I know that's not a lot, but it's a lot more than what most teams have at this point. Yeah. So in, in my basket, I would say I would be looking for projects that are, are like this. And I don't have like this, this full list, but I I want something that was minted in 2020 or 2019. And maybe I would shop, I would put say one or two ETH tour, just shopping on like a, a looks rare or something like that to be like, all right, let me find artists that have a cohesive collection that have been doing the work and trying to pick up varieties of art. Obviously, you're not buying the next copy, but that's not to say you can't find some glitch art potentially uh, in some early works like that. So I would consider pieces like that that just have art with the capital A <laughs> types of appeal and and age to them because I get nervous. I would get nervous of anything if I'm buying and holding for three years. I get nervous of anything that was like minted within the last hysteria, like the last four or five months. I think it's just a different atmosphere. And if I'm going to hold something for three months, I I better know that like, for instance, the the other episode I talked about calling up Human Park. And I know that the Virtual Human Studios is behind Zed Run and they're funded. And that's a studio that's going to be around for a while. Maybe that's interesting, although I wouldn't throw it there. So where where would you throw a a bucket of your five-eath magical investment? 
All right. Yeah. So I think this is a, it's an interesting question. What's going to stick around? We've talked at one project that I, that is historic in the past and we've mentioned it. And I think Mooncats is one that I would still uh, put some in. And I think there are some concerns about how active they'll be, but I also think that if, <laughs> assuming things continue to that the NFT marketplace continues to be active, that the team will be around, that they do have plans to be on Coinbase. And I think that is good that the team will be around that long and that it's a historic project going back to uh, 2017. I don't, haven't looked at the floor price of that recently, but I, I believe that's around half an E. Could do that well and, and still have a lot to play with and get some historic uh, value there. I like the Avastars play as uh, another, I don't know, maybe one of the, earliest PFPs that isn't, isn't punks and certainly had a lot of customizability than almost any project that we still see now. So I, I like that play a lot there. Again, I think this historic value is, you know, it's important to look at, but we also need to start thinking like, are there teams now that are going to be supplanting these more historic teams as we've seen with Yuga versus Larva? And I think that's, that's a tougher question to answer right off the bat. What's your thought on that, George? I think looking at a scan. If I just scan what is on the the top crypto slam, top traded, top volume, I take a look at that. And I'm like, here's a perfect list of exactly what I would not be throwing money at right now. Because one, it's just not affordable. Which if we're talking about an ape or a, a mebit, like maybe you could grab a mebit for for that right now. But I would absolutely would not do that because again, when I put that guardrail of a five e. I wouldn't want to put it all in one big purchase and then hold it for three years. I'd much rather see it spread across uh, a few bets, one or two of which could go to a larger return and spread out. And then remember the, the conversations about reputation and what might happen there. I've seen other works. I, I think I want, I want to get into some generative pieces. And I, I know you are the expert really on, on a lot of those, those generated pieces, but I know we're both collectors of pod gans and I think some of those are interesting and I, I would want to dig in to say like, all right, what's the generative play? I can't afford squiggle. I know you get squiggles for days, but what is the, uh, the affordable play of it's clear that in this moment of time, right? Three years from now in this moment of time, oh my gosh, people went absolutely nuts for generative artwork. So how do you fill out part of that in a portfolio? That's a good question. I was thinking about that and it's, like you said, I do have some squiggles and I look at that as uh, somewhat being a safe, safe play in generative art. Yes, expensive, but I, I tended to go there because it wasn't quite as susceptible to the, the, how the market is reacting. And it was the first art blocks project that really led the way for a lot of these. And again, I look at the historic value there. So I think it's trying to look at some of that and what has changed things, Podgans, you know, I, I don't know if it necessarily changed things, but it certainly was the, it helped establish that new, that new platform for AI generated art trying. So I think trying to look at, look at the pieces or, or look at artists that have been transformative. We've talked about a, an affordable project from Dmitry Cherniak in the past. I think in general, trying to look at some of those artists like Casey Rias, who's another just very influential generative artist who maybe is somewhat overlooked in NFTs at this point. That could be an interesting one that I know that he has some pieces out there that are fairly affordable at this point. And certainly seems like he's interested in sticking around, has done a number of projects and is working on a lot of new projects with arc blocks and bright moments, teams that I've worked with a bit. Some other artists that tend to think of Tyler Hobbs, I would just keep an eye out for things that he's connected to. He does a lot with the feral file 
I'm sorry, that's, I, I, you know what, I have that mixed up. That is Casey Rios that does something with Feral File, I believe. I think that's an interesting platform to look at as something that's been somewhat overlooked, but does generative art. And another thing that we've talked about in the past is looking at non-Ethereum-based NFTs. And I think it'd be worth putting some into a platform like Tezos. We haven't gone into it a lot. Uh, there are certainly plenty of different platforms to go into, but Tezos is one of the earlier ones. And there has been a lot of generative art there, a lot of just art in general, I would say. That being said, that's a, it's a tough one to filter through. We've started to look at it a bit and, and it's a little overwhelming. I have some pieces there from when it was a lot newer and there was a lot less there and it was a lot easier to just navigate that world. I haven't spent a lot of time there recently, but I think it may be interesting because I think there's a chance that there's some other, some additional historic value added to those pieces. I don't know enough of about other chains at this point, such as Avalanche or, or Phantom or any of those to, to know what the NFT world is really like there. I would stay in with Ethereum for the most part, but perhaps put a little bit into other chains to just play that uh, potential that they end up, that those chains just end up being popular in the end. Yeah. If we're talking on Tezos, the only one that caught my eye, I, I did a little bit of a dive on object.com. That's O-B-J-K-T.com, which is like the open sea for, for the Tezos NFT market is Tezards, which seems to be randomly generated little lizard tethered things and it seems to be the og project as far as that can go on that platform so that might be my play there i'll do more digging to decide if it's like affordable makes sense for a project to feature but I, I would throw a dart at that maybe in part of that portfolio because again if it's been around this long it holds a place it's ridiculous for its own it could have value again in three years because what we're doing is locking this in a box and not touching it for three years which just forces you to think a little bit you know, differently about it. Notably absent, I, I was thinking about this, notably absent from my basket would be game NFTs. Simply because with games, I'm very bullish this year on that, but they take so much careful monitoring and management that I wouldn't necessarily trust that it would make sense to hold it for three years as opposed to have some sort of unique opportunity to do something weird with it. Flip it, breed it, whatever it. And so I, I would get nervous putting games in, in, into this basket. That said, this is a bit of a cheat, but I have been thinking about how important, how important I think that Dapper Labs is going to be in the next three years of onboarding people. And specifically their flow token, I think gets overlooked. Now it's not an NFT play. I'm thinking about how it is a backdoor into saying like, all right, I'm not going to collect NBA Top Shot or maybe NFL. I'll take a look at it, but. It could be a backdoor to saying, how do I make a bet on that platform as a whole um, and in an NFT way, looking at Flow Token. But that, that, that's yeah, a little that's, bit of a cheat. Yeah, that might be a little bit of a cheat. I wouldn't actually rule out it's an NBA Top Shot. I don't have much, but I do have some, uh, a couple from season one. And again, somewhat of a historic thing, helped usher in a lot of people to NFTs and I see Dapper Labs going away anytime soon. I don't think, I don't know what the prices there are, are like right now. I'm sure there are values to be had with certain players. Um, certainly that you could put some towards that with the 5e under the 5e allocation and, and feel like you still got a lot to, to play with otherwise. But I think that might be interesting again to get out of necessarily just going with Ethereum-based NFTs. And I think that is, you know, a question that we'd have that you really have to look at when you're saying buy and hold for three years. What do you think of the chain that it's on? Is that network going to continue to hold value or to rise in value? And are the 
the pieces that are minted on it going to hold that value or are they going to be valued in USD and uh, Ethereum? I should mention the report that we talked about earlier was talking about Ethereum based NFTs and they made that very specific. They didn't, they're saying that value of the NFTs that are held in Ethereum were held uh, value better than crypto tokens over that time period that they looked at. So it's, it is interesting you've got to take into account the value of the tokens that the, uh, the NFT is actually transacted in. And we've talked about that a bit in the past. I think when you're thinking about this, how much are you taking that into account? Do you think Ethereum is going to continue to hold that? I think if I'm putting out all of the, the horses in the race, absolutely. This year, we're going to see the improvements to proof of, of stake over proof of work in the merge. And Ethereum as a platform, if you look at it with regards to a, a PE ratio, it's actually being used, burned, and utilized a lot more than any other token. And in our current drop, a lot of tokens have taken a haircut. ETH is still hanging in into the mid-2500 to 3000 range, and it's still half off a high as opposed to 90% off of a high. It is a strong platform to, to bet on already on a risky asset. And yeah, I think that is why we brought up that article. And I like this basket. I think this basket would potentially do, it's risky. And we're talking about buying images, buying images on the internet. But I, I think having that lens, especially during right now and during recession shopping where, where things are down to have that mindset of like, all right, there are, there is value out here and there's not a lot of customers running around buying up stuff, where's that value? Instead of trying to contemplate whether or not you should ape into ape token, which I have already warned, I believe will go down because of money uh, versus go and find a project that's just straight up overlooked, but has long-term potential value. Yeah, I like that play. I think going small with a lot of these different projects is the way to go here. It's really difficult to pick one that is definitely going to uh, work out in three years, especially at that uh, five ETH level, I think, uh, any level, I should say, I don't think that I could say with a hundred percent or I can't say with a hundred percent certain that any of these will be around in three years. So it's better to you know, take a number of, of risks here and try multiple things. And I think there's a lot of value to be had in the market right now, if you can sift through things and, and come up with the projects that are being overlooked, it's not necessarily the easiest thing, but I think we've had a few good ideas here. And I think that they can also, by looking at some of these, it leads you to others. If you start looking at things that are minted at a certain time, you can start finding other wallets that may have been active at that time and what else they may have been doing. It takes some digging, but I think if you had a month to do it, this is the, the way that I would start going about it. All right. I say we wrap it on there. It was a fun what if. Keep it in the back of your mind. What if you had to hold whatever you were buying for three years and it may change how you are making that next purchase. Andrew, thanks so much for the advice and thoughts on this. All right. Good talking, George. This has been an episode of the AAA NFT podcast, all about affordable NFTs. The episode notes and resources may be found at 3ANFT.com in our show notes. Again, 3ANFT.com. And that reminder, don't bet what you can't afford to lose. Remember, we are not financial advisors and nothing in this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Thanks for joining us. I hope you learned something.